1: Hello, thank you for listening. It's Monday the 24th of July. Charlotte Greenway-Infinic as he's away this week. And Tom Stanley and I will be deputising... Plenty to bring you today as Lee Mosshead joins me to discuss the latest news around the King George at Ascot this weekend with an update on Hookham from Owen Burroughs before reflecting on the weekend racing with Tom Marquand and Ian Jardine. Then Nick was, of course, at the Grade 1 Haskell Stakes in New Jersey on Saturday and has a roundup from there before Nancy Sexton relives her bargain buy that's progeny so nearly went on to Grade 1 glory at the weekend. First, though, as I said, Lee, news yesterday was that William Buick rode Desert Crown in a piece of work, which suggests he'll be replacing Richard Kingscote aboard last year's derby winner in the King George on Saturday. What do you make of this?
2: I think it's, I don't think, regrettably, Charlotte, it's a surprise that Richard Kingscote isn't set to ride the horse. I mean, we're assuming because William Buick rode the horse in a piece of work on Sunday that William Buick will ride the horse in the King George. As we talk now, we don't know that to be sure. We've had nothing from Connection saying that. Maybe that will come later on today. Um, in terms of the the chronology here, we of course knew that Richard Kingscote wasn't set to ride the horse in the Prince of Wales estates had he been able to run there. Richard the guy who'd ridden Desert Crown in his three starts as a two-year-old and three-year-old, including, of course, the Derby victory at Epsom, had partnered um, Desert Crown in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes on his return to racing. The horse was five to two on on that occasion and finished a half length second to Hookham. Um, I don't think everyone thought it was the best ride that Richard Kingscote had ever given a horse, but not every ride can be a vintage ride from a jockey. Richard lost the ride then in the Prince of Wales estates, but at the time um, it was suggested that that would be a one-off arrangement and would just relate to Frankie, the Frankie factor at Ascot. Bruce Raymond, representing Cy to Hale, said, uh, I spoke to Cy this morning, he said if Frankie wouldn't be available in the future, which he doubts he will be, then it's Richard's ride. He said he'd look after Richard, but it's a one-off. Maybe then it wasn't. A one-off. Frankie has to ride Emily Up John, probably wants to ride Emily Up John in the King George on Saturday. But the fact that Buick pond the horse on Sundays just yes, at Kingscote won't be riding the horse in the King George. I think Charlotte, as other contributors, to this podcast have intimated in recent days, that collectively we would have loved to see Richard Kingscote on Desert Crown. He won the derby on the horse, for goodness sake. The Sandow Ryan might not have been the best of his life but nobody is going to remember desert crown for what he did or didn't do in the brigadier gerard stakes i suppose one of the reasons why i was fearing this might happen is that it isn't the first time that saeed sahail uh, a dubai businessman has uh, intervened in the jockey situation. Of course, we had a basket before the Prince of Wales' state. But if you actually rewind back the clock, 21 years, Kieran Fallon uh, lost the rides on Saysa Sahel's horses after a horse for Michael Stout called Gallant Boy in a race at Goodwood. Um, at the time, Joe Mercer, who was then Saysa Sahel's racing manager, said, Kieran won't be riding again for Mr. Sahel. It was just one of those things. The owner was there and was disappointed with the way he rode him. I don't think he'll be associated with any of our horses as from today. Well, the following year, Kieran won the derby in the colours of Sides of Hale on Chris Kinn. So things change. Um, But it looks as though things won't change quickly enough for Richard Kingscote to ride Desert Crown on Saturday. Uh, I think it's a shame, Charlotte, um, if that does prove to be the case. It is absolutely right that any owner can make any decision he or she wants. They pay the bills. In effect, they are employing the jockey. They can employ the jockey. That is their right. It is equally the right of other people to be critical of those decisions if they choose to be. And I think this is an this is an instance where a lot of people will want to be critical, will feel it's right to be critical of Saeed Sahel. I think it's a disappointing decision. Um, it's not the first time this happened in, in this race. Um, I think back... Uh, Charlotte to um, 1995 when well, in some ways I think the most regrettable of all these jockeying offs was when Walter Swinburne lost the ride in the King George on Lantara uh, in the week of the race to Frankie de Tori, uh, having won the derby on the horse in emotional circumstances. Um, this isn't quite like that but I think it is disappointing. I say owners can have whoever they want on horses doesn't mean we can't criticise.
1: Looking at the race itself there's of course been plenty of rain over the weekend. Um, and the showers forecasted this week. So there's been a bit of a shake-up in the betting. Uh, Hookham is one that certainly shortened his shown gra- uh, form on soft ground. Desert Crown, of course, won his maiden on soft ground. So did King of Steel. Who would you be leaning towards if it sort of came up soft on Saturday?
2: Well, what's interesting there um, is as you sort of gone go through those horses, Charlotte, you-, you mentioned a few that, you know, seem fine on soft ground. The oddity is that most of the leading contenders have got good form on soft ground. You know, you mentioned King of Steel. Well, August Rodin won his Group 1 as a juvenile on heavy ground at Doncaster. Um, Emily op won on Champions Day, Ascot on, on pretty um testing ground it wasn't the sort of conditions we sometimes get on champions they ask it but it was pretty um it was pretty testing ground um pile driver uh, he won his coronation cup on on good to soft ground um he's won a listed race at haydock on soft ground interesting with with hookham is he hasn't actually had that many runs on soft ground we know he goes on it he, he, he won over the course and distance on on soft ground i think it's more the fact that that he can't be risked on on faster ground. Um, but I think looking into what should be a vintage King George, a proper old-fashioned King George, it is set to be a race that's run on, on testing conditions. But looking at the leading contenders, that doesn't appear to be a particular negative for the race.
1: Well, after his move in the market, I thought it made sense to get the latest on Hookham from his trainer, Owen Burrows, who joins me on the line now. Owen, oh, he surprised a few when he overturned Desert Crown in the Brigadier Gerard at Sandown on his first start for nearly a year. First off, how's he been since then?
3: Yeah, we've um, been very pleased with him since. Obviously, a little frustrating that we couldn't run at Royal Ascot, but um, yeah, you know, he's a pleasure to train. Um, So yeah, it's all gone smoothly. Uh, So yeah, hopefully we'll have no uh, hiccups now over the next few days, and um, yeah, he goes there in good form.
1: And Saturday, it's possible he'll be taking on Desert Crown again. Uh, also, the Epsom Derby one 2 and August Rodan and King of Steel. Emily, Upjohn, She's in there. How do you view the race?
3: Look, it's you know, it's uh, it's probably one of the best King Georges there's been for for many a year, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, it's obviously from our point of view, it's a it's great to be involved in a race like this. Um, so yeah, look, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but it, it, it's it's going to be a, a very strong race, I'm sure.
1: Who would you see as your main danger?
3: I'll be honest, I wouldn't pinpoint one to be truthful. I think, you know, obviously the three year olds, uh, you know, Rogers and Adens, uh with the wait for age, you know, that they're, they're going to be a big, big danger. You know, I'm a huge Emily Upjohn fan. Obviously, Desert Crown can't be discounted. Pile Driver won it last year. Um, you know, Westover, Lux, you know, just the list goes on. You know, you can normally there'd be. Two or three you'd be wary of, but there's double that. So, um, yeah, there wouldn't be one, I'd like to say, is the main danger. I think they all are.
1: And the reports out of the Stout Yarder that Desert Crown's come forward for his run at Sandown. Do you think Hookham has too?
3: I'd like to think so, yeah. You know, obviously the pair of them hadn't run for near enough a year, had they? Um, So, yeah, I'd like to think that we would have come forward as well. So... um, yeah, it'll be you know, be a good good rematch. But as I say, it's not not just between them two.
1: There's further rain due this week, which looks like it'll suit him better than it will suit some of the others. And he could well go off favourite. If he does, do you see him as a worthy favourite?
3: Look, you know, he, he's a very honest horse who you know was impressive in winning the Coronation Cup last year with sort of ease in the ground. Um, I, did, I read that his, his record on soft ground is. I think he's four times, as three wins, and he was third in the Hardwick um, a few years back now. But yeah, he, he's obviously shown a preference for a bit of juice in the ground. So look, if he if he goes off favourite, he goes off favourite. He doesn't know that. Um, so look, yeah, we'll obviously be interesting to see if it goes goes against any of the others. But um, yeah, time will tell.
1: You mentioned his soft ground record. If it came up really soft on the day, would he relish it, or would he just handle it better than some of the others?
3: Uh, look, I think you know he obviously handles it better than the, than a lot of the others. But um, yeah, he he does seem you know his his win at Asker in the Cumberland Lodge oh, back in twenty one, I think it was. You know, he he. Uh, Look, he, he was only sort of beating group three horses, but he won it six, seven lengths, I think, if I remember rightly. And, you know, that was bottomless that day. It was a very, very wet day. Um, so, yeah, he, get, he gets through it pretty well.
1: And just finally, a horse of yours that I'm sure has made a lot of people's trackers um, is Roea after she beat subsequent listed winner Mystic Pearl of William Haggis' at Sandown. Uh, she gave away weight that day. Have you got any plans for her in the sort of immediate future?
3: Yeah, so obviously she was in Saturday at Newbury, but I took her out because we don't feel that she would handle uh, very soft ground. Uh, so there is a a race at Goodwood on the first day. Um, and actually, there's 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 another one there. I'm not sure what day exactly it is, but uh, so yeah, she could go to Goodwood on the Tuesday. Um, yeah, week week tomorrow. And you like her? Yeah, look, she's she's done everything right. She's a you know nice big scopy filly who obviously is, is is going the right way and and the form stacked up there from Sandown last time. Um, so yeah, we 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 think she's a nice progressive filly.
1: Well, Owen, best of luck on Saturday. I've got my fingers crossed. And thank you very much for your time this morning.
3: That's great. Thanks, Charlotte.
1: Lee, reflection on the weekend action now. And the main race in Europe this weekend was the Irish Oaks from the Curra, where odds-on favourites saved the last dance, got the job done, but it wasn't straightforward.
2: Goodness me, no, it, it wasn't straightforward. Um, watching the race, I think you would have given up on on Save the Last Dance, halfway up the home straight. Plenty of people did. She traded at 999 to 1 um, during those closing stages. She was being ridden along just to keep up with the the, the pacemaker in those um, first half of of the race. She never really travelled smoothly. Ultimately, she really engaged top gear. It took a long time for it to happen, um, but she did engaged top gear and she flew home to claim blue stocking in the closing stages. ultimately winning, going away. Um, the conditions clearly helped her as we saw it at Chester, um, save the last dance is a filly who revels in the mud. Um, she likes a proper test. That's what she got here. There was no brilliance about the victory, but it was a courageous gutsy success. Um, she was beaten fair and square in the Oaks on quicker ground, a better fit on that sort of ground beater on that occasion. But on this ground, I think she is clearly a force, beat. she only just got the job done. Um, it'd be interesting to see where they go now. In many ways, the St. Ledger would look to be an obvious target, given that the extra distance would not appear to be any sort of concern the way she finished off this race, what will be interesting is the extent to which she is always going to be better when she gets softer ground. Um, she's certainly not a, a, a fiddy who, to, to me, the way she races looks like the sort of horse who would benefit from a, a kick and sprint in a race like the Prix mai I think she'd always want a, a decent gallop, um, which which that that and conditions might limit her in the future but when she gets her conditions she's clearly very good uh
1: she is clearly very good and also so is ryan moore i thought he gave her a fantastic ride and he had a great great day on saturday
2: yeah he did he did i mean in in some ways it was this sounds a perverse to say it was a straightforward ride in the sense that ryan moore did all that ryan moore could do in the circumstances he kept pushing he kept shoving he kept kicking he gave a few smacks you know, he did his job. Um, it was a tremendous never say die ride, um, and it, it showed him at his best. But I don't, I don't think it was a ride that required him to um, dig deep into the uh, into the book of magic tricks. He 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 did what Ryan Moore is so very good at doing. He he just kept trying.
1: Now, Save the Last Dance didn't win like you might expect a short prize favourite to do, but one that did on Saturday was Relief Rally in the Weatherby Super Sprint at Newbury for the double green of Simon Munir and Isaac Swade, trainer William Haggis and ridden by Tom Markwund, who joins me now. Tom, that meant quite a lot to you, I'm sure, after her narrow defeat in the Queen Mary at Ascot.
4: Yeah, it did. Um... I think it's probably fair to say my heart was still broken from Ascot, but it's probably got a, a, a bit of glue patching her back together now. After that, um, you know, she's a she's a really uh, really fun and ov- obviously talented filly, um, and it was just uh, yeah, it was a tough day at Ascot, but you know, she deserved the day like like uh, on Saturday. And um, look, I'm sure. This is just the sort of beginning of of her going on to doing some pretty exciting things, hopefully.
1: And the performance, she must have impressed you the way she went through her race, and especially the way she quickened up towards the end.
4: Yeah, definitely. Look, um, she's she's always been a filly that's sort of been pretty uh, pretty snappy, and um, you know, I was I was uh, just quite surprised how quickly she went and put the race to bed because I sort of obviously had. I had nothing else to take me any further than my side, and the, the other you know, the far side of the track had a probably three or four lengths in hand at one point, and um, you know she had sort of uh, she'd she'd gone and put the race to bed by herself in a matter of strides, which you know is tough to do, and I thought just well, just really really showed her sort of dominance and class to be honest. Yeah.
1: And she she showed as well that she's a pretty straightforward filly too to to go it alone late on.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and, and to be fair to her, she's always. Um you know she's always been super straightforward and uh, and a quick learner as well so it's it's um it, it's probably why we all sort of have, have been able to enjoy her so much yeah.
1: and trip wise that was five furlongs on Saturday. Would you see any issues stepping her up to six
4: no absolutely not I, obviously william and I spoke straight after and um you know she's 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 blessed with lots of different options um now through the rest of the season with five and six, and um, look, I think going and seeing the line and and hitting it so hard over over five on soft ground, you you know, you you definitely have to think that six should be no problem at all. Um, so
1: yeah, it's uh, it, it 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 certainly leaves the door open for some pretty exciting options. Uh, did the team have a certain option in mind?
4: Um. I know William was, was sounding like he was quite keen to go down the Superstar Leo route um, which uh, obviously was Louther and um, ending up at the back end of the year going into the Abbey so uh, look, I don't know whether that will come to fruition or anything but um, yeah it's a, it's a proven path that he's done before albeit that it was a while ago but um, yeah I think he quite enjoyed that so look I suppose that, that would be if she were to stay five furlongs and obviously you've got you know, he's got races like the Cheveley Park to uh, have his sights on. If she's if she's going to pop up to six, so yeah, not um, uh, no no sort of no easy tasks on the horizon for her. But I think she's uh, justified sort of stepping up to having a pop at, at those sorts of races.
1: She certainly looks like she has. And ground wise, would she handle quicker ground? I'm not sure if she's experienced it yet.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think. I've always had in my head the way she handled slow ground early on uh, I think it was Windsor the day she won and also you know obviously on Saturday it was very soft and there's always that element of if they handle soft ground so well surely (laughs) surely it means that you know that's their favourite ground and um, look she ran super on on faster ground at Ascot but I, I I can't help but feel that, that soft ground probably just brings the best out in her. Um, you know, she she obviously she obviously acted on the faster ground, but um, look, when you're going to big days, you, you, you don't want to leave an inch behind. And I, I know I know I'd be happier seeing uh, soft ground rather than a, a, a good firm pegged up in the morning.
1: Talking about soft ground. Just looking ahead to this weekend, we haven't seen the latest entries for the King George. We'll get those at midday. Um, but at the last stage, my Prospero and Hamish were still in. Are either likely to go? Do you know?
4: Um, I think currently the plan with um, my Prospero is going to be to go up to York by the sound of it. Um, but I'm 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 not sure as of yet. So I think I might be I might be heading up there on Saturday and um, go and riding him.
1: And Hamish, I take it he's not heading there either, then?
4: Uh, I don't believe so. um, But that, you know, I'm I'm sure with rain around, um, it it would leave the door slightly ajar. So, uh, look, I I haven't had the conversation. But um, yeah, if it was looking like it was going to be absolutely bottomless ground, I, I. you know that would be perfect for him but whether they decide it's the right race or not you know he'd be he would be heading back to a similar target of last year sort of going down the irish leisure route so you know they'll be wanting to make sure that every every bullet bullet that's fired with him is uh, is hitting the target
1: and tom i must just ask you before you go you were of course our huntsman rider of the week at royal ascot for your ride aboard the royal winner desert hero have you got your suit yet
4: Uh, I got measured, yeah, and it was, um, yeah, obviously a fantastic experience to go down there and uh, obviously Ollie and I wouldn't uh, tend to get too much time to go down into London and do things like that, so um, yeah, no, it was uh, a a great experience and uh, looking forward to seeing the finish out of school when it's done. Lee,
1: you've just listened to Tom there, a really likeable performance, I thought, from his filly.
2: It was a very straightforward comprehensive, decisive success. The betting market had suggested it should be, um, given how well she'd run in the uh, Queen Mary Stakes when she was in front, just in front of the line, just off line, as Tom Marker was pointing out, in New Bruce Winters' enclosure. Um, in those conditions, she was much the best filly in the race. She was a class apart from her rivals. She is quite clearly a high-class group performer which most of those in that race would not be in fact she was the only one in that race who would tick that box it will be interesting to see what course they do plot over the the coming months William Haggis didn't sound keen on the idea of going for the Nunthorpe he did sound keen on the idea of going for the Lowther, which is a very valuable group to at uh, your we'll see what sort of ground she gets on that occasion but she almost certainly would get the sort of testing ground that she enjoys in the Prix de l'Abbé. William did sound more enthused about that potential target for her going up against the older horses on Arc Day. Uh, Tom Markman, of course, couldn't ride the horse on that occasion because of the likely weight she would have, but the uh, the possibility was raised that perhaps his wife, Holly Doyle, could come in for the ride, as she did last year when winning the, the Abbey on the Platinum Queen.
1: And that would be a nice story for sure. Um, but, you know, I thought I'd, I'd have been tempted if she was mine, I think, to go for the chevy Park. It's obviously another group one as the Abbey is. But the two-year-old fillies, they haven't really stamped, there hasn't, one hasn't stamped themselves as the ultimate, I don't think, so far this season.
2: No, I think it's pretty early doors, isn't it? We've we still not really got to the stage yet when we've seen many of the, uh, the smarter fillies at seven furlongs plus. Um, by nature of the time of the year, what we've seen a lot of is the sprint juvenile so far. We haven't yet really seen, I don't think if you like a, a Philly equivalent to City of Troy this season. I'm not sure we will see an equivalent to City <laughs> of Troy this season. But yeah, I, th- I think so far, um, what we've seen from the, the juvenile, it's been grand, but I suspect there are many more good ones still waiting to come out.
1: And it's not often at this time of the year we talk about jump racing on the podcast, but I'm not sure we can ignore it after Harry Cobden's ride on Ball Famous in the summer plate at Market Raisin on Saturday. Lee, that was pretty remarkable from him, didn't you think?
2: Yeah, it was. It was um, an extraordinary performance, really. Again, a bit like Save the Last Dance. If you were a punter who had backed the favourite in this Unibet summer plate, you would not have been hopeful particularly as they were going past the stands at the end of their first full circuit, when Born Famous appeared to be detached from every other runner in the race by around 8, nine, ten lengths. You really couldn't have fancied her at that point. But it, in some ways, it was a different sort of ride to the one Ryan Moore gave, Save Dance, with her, he just kept stoking, stoking, stoking the fire, and she responded to all his urgings. Harry Cobden... Um was actually very patient on Born Famous. Even though she was detached, at no point did it ever seem as though he was giving her the, the kitchen sink treatment. Um, it was a ride that had lots of finesse about it. Um, and the way he 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 seemed confident that she would get into the race, I thought was was tremendously impressive. Other people have have remarked how well Harry Cobden is riding at the moment harry cobden always rides well he's a superb jockey he's a long way behind sean bowen in the jockeys championship but he's someone that you would hope can can mount a challenge because he would be a very worthy challenger for that I thought what was interesting as well um charlotte bear in mind the wider debate we often have around the the whipping in the sport is that despite the way born famous was so far behind and she only got going in, really in, in the final, so I suppose, five six furlongs or so. The whip was only used three times on her to win that race. Um, so it just shows you what you what you what you can do while remaining well within the rules.
1: I know I'd ridden her off pretty early in the race and I thought I'd see if her trainer Ian Jardine felt the same way watching it on Saturday. So I put a call into him this morning, but first off, I asked how he'd come about this mare, who only had her first start for him at the end of April this year.
5: Um, well, it's through a friend in Ireland um, there's uh, a lady we, we've had a few horses off. She actually trains a girl called uh, Claire Connell. She's uh She's sent the horse across, and uh, you know we we've got some someone Elisa, and uh, you know we, we, we give her a run at Perth, and uh, she duly obliged. So I didn't realise she had progress on to be as uh, as high up in the handicap as this, but um, no, it was, it was a great result at the weekend.
1: Yes, yeah, so from from what she'd been showing you at home, did she just keep surprising you when she kept winning?
5: Well, she showed uh, she showed ability when we first got her, but I think she's kept improving since I've, since we've got her. You know, but um, yeah, she's uh, she's a nice filly, but you know she'd, she would she would work well. I think she always keeps a bit more in the tack. so we never really knew what we really had.
1: And the summer plate obviously is the big jumps race of the summer. It's a valuable pot. At what point did you think you might be able to sneak into the race?
5: After her Perth win, um, we made the entry on the Monday and, uh, you know, sort of halfway through the week, we we thought she might have had a chance of getting in. And the day we before, on Dex, so we were speaking to Harry Cobden's agent and uh, he was saying, oh, no, no, you, it looks like you'll get a run. So she got in at the bottom end of the handicap, which is great, you know, so... Yeah, I think it worked out well um, when the when the soft ground came and uh, we ended up with bottom weight.
1: Uh, and, and you mentioned Harry Cobden there. I must admit, I'd written her off, I think, shortly after the flag fall, um, but he was very cool on her, never panicked. Um, you know, she got a bit of drift and just started to pick them off slowly, you know, the final sort of three quarters of a mile and ultimately won well. Were you worried at all throughout the race?
5: Uh, well, yeah, I, I spoke to Harry in uh, the sort of late morning. And, uh, you know, before that, I was uh, Conor O'Farrell that rides most of my jumpers. He was in, he's injured at the moment, but he came in for a for uh, a cup of tea and a bit of breakfast and sat at the morning. So I says to him, what do you think? And he says, oh, it's all about just getting her in a nice rhythm. So, you know, obviously up in grade and... Uh, uh, you know they they go a far stronger gallop than, than sort of what she's been running in. So you know I was kind of thinking I wonder if she is able to lie up early on. I knew they would go quick, so we sort of uh, mentioned to Harry to, to line her up second row down the inside. But um, you know she was she was outpaced for the majority of the race. went off quick and. Uh, she, you know, of course, I was a bit worried uh, when she was detached, but I could see she was dosing and wasn't doing much. But uh, you know, so at of the end of the back straight, when I seen her creeping into the race and the leaders were coming back to her, I thought, oh, she'll have a right chance here, swinging, swinging for home. I thought she will stay. So and she had no weight in her back. So it, it wasn't until that stage I really thought she would have a, a good chance. You know.
1: And what's the plan likely to be for her now then?
5: I don't know. We've, we've just got her back and, you know, we've just let, it, let the weekend sink in and, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've not got any immediate plans but I guess she'd be all right in some of these nationals, you know, but it's, uh, you know, they're usually in the spring of the year, aren't they? The Scottish national and things like that, Welsh nationals and what have you. So, Oh well, rather the Welsh nationals in in Christmassy time, isn't it? So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll make a plan and think about where she goes next.
1: Off to America now, and an update from Nick on his trip to New Jersey.
0: Hi, Charlotte. Yeah, got back last night from Monmouth Park, New Jersey, having covered the Haskell. For NBC. I've covered this event several times. This was comfortably the most enjoyable, both in terms of the calibre of the race, what it promised for the rest of the season, and in terms of the atmosphere of the race day itself. 35,000 people flooded into the the jewel on the Jersey Shore and they were treated to some fantastic sport. Go Rocket Ride was the winner of the Haskell. Unexposed horse with a, a big profile coming to the race for Hall of Fame trainer Richard Mandela. He'd last come to Monmouth Park with a Haskell runner 23 years ago with Dixie Union. He'd won. And when he does travel a horse like this, you sit up and take notice. He himself was there. He said, I'm in my early 70s now. I wasn't going to miss this one. And the horse didn't miss either. It was a notable triumph for the jockey and the owner too. Mike Smith had won a couple of races on the opening day at Del Mar the previous day, jetted across the country, well into his late 50s now, Smith. Uh, won the Haskell, and then got straight on a plane afterwards to go back to, to Del Mar. So no signs of his enthusiasm for the game dwindling. And with a performance like the one that he enjoyed on Saturday night, you can see why. And for the owners, a big success as well. Jim and Dana Bernhard bought pin Oak stud from the estate of the late Josephine Abercrombie. They've kept the silks, they've kept the heritage, they've kept the stud's emblem, and they are very keen to build and to keep this great bastion of Kentucky breeding going, which was great to see. As to the mechanics of the performance, well, it was a very good one. They went very fast early. They steadied things down through the third quarter of the race. But Go Rocket Ride had enough in the finish and enough street smarts to uh, outdo the Kentucky Derby winner, Mage, who ran a mighty race in second, mile and an eighth on a speed favoring track you always thought was a bit sharp. For Mage, and indeed his co owner Ramiro Restrepo said he would improve a ton for this when he was on the show last week. Well, if he does, then you have to take him very, very seriously in whatever races he runs in for the rest of the season, be it the Travers next or the Breeders' Cup Classic. It won't be the Travers for the winner. I don't think Mandela wants to keep ferrying him across the country and back again, but he ought to be a Classic contender this year, and perhaps his next start might be in something like the Awesome Again Stakes at this year's Breeders' Cup Classic venue, Santa Anita a few weeks before the big one itself. The third place horse Arabian Knight, he acquitted himself with credits too. There were big expectations on him. Started a heavy favourite on his first run uh, for six months and just his third lifetime start. You heard from his owner Amir Zidane on the show last week. But I didn't think he dented his reputation too much at all. He raced with probably too much enthusiasm early. He was very, very fresh. He showed great quality in class, I thought, for much of the race. And he kept boxing on when beaten for an honourable, Third and the fourth place horse extra Anejo had had some big, big notices from his trainer Steve Asmussen at the beginning of his career, and again has had a very light campaign to date. He adds a little bit of ballast to the form. The numbers came back pretty well to the winner earned a buyer rating of 100. You could say, well, it might have been a little higher than that, but I think all in all, in the round, these are a good, promising, talented uh, horses, and with a Kentucky Derby winner in there as well, there was always that little bit of added interest, added excitement. I mentioned the crowd in excess of 35,000. Huge crowd uh, for a modern day. Haskell well up on last year and a massive handle as well, a record handle of over $21 million for the day. So lots of positives from Monmouth Park, a venue that I've always uh, found to be an incredibly friendly one. The crowd was, was notable by its youth, an awful lot of college students, An awful lot of people for whom this day on the Jersey Shore is a rite of passage, but who were clearly loving the racing. There were no gimmicks, not necessarily any frills. It was just good, high-quality sport on a beautiful day, run in front of a, a hell of a lot of people. And in Go Rocket Ride, we've got a real star of the future to look forward to. Back to you, Charlotte, and enjoy the week.
1: Well sticking in the US and following the action at Saratoga this weekend I thought I'd best speak to Nancy Sexton as in 2012 along with her mother she purchased Indian Wish from the Ascot sales for just £2,000 and 11 years on Indian Wish produced the second in Saturday's American Oaks at Saratoga Sacred Wish. Nancy taking you back 11 years ago you're at the sale what were you looking for?
6: well it's we were always um sort of scrabbling around at the bargain basement of it really and um we had spotted her in the catalogue we'd always kept an eye on American American market I've worked for Chad Schumer for years and there's always been this idea you know you can probably pick stuff up and flip it back into the American market and she in that regard she stood out I mean she you know an Indian Charlie even then you know he's looking like a a good brood mess are. and it was a nice hard knocking black type family and she'd sold for a fair bit of money as a foal and she'd been um, breezed by a good judge and willie brown so you, you you know you'd had an idea there that she was probably good looking and so we sort of jumped on the train thinking that we might go and buy her. and obviously when we pulled out she, she was nice um so so we bought her but I think back then, you know, you turned up at Ascot Sales with, an, you know, Kentucky bread. it probably, you, you know, she was probably, there was an idea she, you know, might slip through the net. And, you know, we thought we'd gotten a nice bargain at the time, although we, you know, we didn't really want to pay that much more, primarily because we had too many at the time. And, you know, everything's done on a, you know, shoestring. So um that was it really and and Chad Schumer was very game um he was I remember he was keen to come in um sort of as we hatched the plan and so we divided her up between ourselves and um shipped her back to America.
1: And did you cover her in the meantime or did you send her straight to the US?
6: Yes we did cover in the meantime that's where we fell at the first hurdle because we sent her to Rip Van Winkle of all horses and At the time, I mean, Chad and I were discussing this the other night. I mean, there was a, you know, Galileo was a positive name in America. Um, The horse had run in the Breeders' Cup Classic and the foals were very good. You know, he was the, the next sort of horse in the Cornwall pipeline. So we had an idea. It was probably too late to ship her over and then cover her. And... So, we sent it to Ireland and then shipped her over. since then, when we've done this, we've actually shipped them. If we can, we've shipped them straight over to where they're meant to be. um We bought something in Phic Tipton in February, and she was on the first plane home um, because I think I think it has proved you know you are better off just working away in the in the jurisdiction you bought them for
1: um just in terms of side popularity that is
6: yes. Yes. I mean, you can, as we found out when we, we sort of catalogued her to the November sale, and obviously no one there was looking for a mare to Rip Van Winkle. It was more the family. Um, and she was bought by someone, Jerry Jangotchen, who has stock in Europe and North America. So um, it, was, it was sort of a valuable lesson. You know, it's still quite insular. You, you know, you even over here, if you'd... you, you you, if you brought something over and folded more than ready or Spite Stan, you're still dealing with a smaller audience. So, um, I mean, that was sort of our, of our thinking at the, at the time. Um, and you know, the, the fold that she had actually ended up winning in California, so it wasn't a complete you know disaster. But I think if we did if we did it again, we probably would have shipped her out straight away.
1: It must have been a lovely surprise then on Saturday to watch one of her progeny go so close in a grade one.
6: Well, she's, she's been quite, you know, she's she's progressed all the way through this year and we saw that she was running and didn't actually expect her to beat Wet Paint or even um, South Lawn, but God, she ran well, you know, and it was only in sort of the last 50, hundred yards that she actually, you know, Wet Paint managed to get past her and... You know, it's it's in the years since then. I mean, we've sort of Chad and I have laughed about it because it's the family has sort of grown and thrived. You know, firing line came up under it. Maybe second in the Kentucky Derby, Sharp Azteca came up under it. He's now a good son, Um, America, and they're all her immediate relations. So it's a it's a lovely Crestwood farm family that they've cultivated for years. They're good, hard knocking runners. So the fact that she's gone on to do well, especially being by Indian Charlie, isn't. An entirely, you know, it's come as an entire surprise. Um, But in all of this, I would pay a lot of credit to not this time, who's the sire of um, Sacred Wish, um, because he's, we've seen how he can upgrade mares or how he's very, you know, he's very consistent, gets good runners on turf and dirt. And this is another example, you you know, I think this filly was bred when he stood for 12 grand. So, um, you know, they're good tough hard knocking runners and I can see see this filly going on and you know maybe she's capable of winning a grade one so no it was great to watch it was I think she got a very good ride and she was in the right place at the right time um and it yeah it was it was great and my mother would have absolutely loved it so um you know even sort of 11 years on um this mare sort of popping up again
1: and just finally, uh, you're also an advisor for Blue Diamond Stud, whose Nashua won the Falbus so brilliantly at the July meeting. Uh, we had Holly Doyle on the podcast last week, and she really enjoyed that, as I'm sure you all did. Um, yeah. Is Nashua is she is she all set on course for Goodwood next week?
6: I'd say so. Speaking to the team, that's that's the the plan. Um, I mean, she she was brilliant the other day, and. Um, you know, it's just, it's just on, off the back of that performance, you know, that opens up so many different options, sort of over a mile and slightly beyond. So, yes, I'd, I'd say from everything I've heard, you know, um, John Gosden and Emma Laskar, Teddy Beckett will, you know, have sort of greater detail. But I'd say it's she's, she's all systems go. And, you know, if the French Philly really turns up, it could be one of the races of the season.
1: Blue Rose Sen that is and Christopher Head did confirm on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that that was very much her target so all being well we'll see that clash in the Nassau at Goodwood next week. Lee said is back with me. Lee the Racing League is going into its third year kicks off at Yarmouth on Thursday. Has it worked so far?
2: Not particularly no um, I, I don't think it has in even... In many ways, um Charlotte, I wrote about this in my, in my column in the Racing Post today just because you say it kicks off on Thursday. Yarmouth has a first crack at the, the Racing League. It's obviously staged around uh, Arena Racing Company tracks. Um, Yarmouth will have a hundred grand handicap at half eight on Thursday, Thursday evening, which is not the sort of thing you would expect. I think the, the, the problem for me with the Racing League at the minute is it's, it's great to try new things. The sport should... Um, be really prepared to uh, be innovative and to have new ideas Um, and in some ways this looked like an idea well worth trying but I suppose it's it's been hampered by the fact that people don't seem to really care about it. Um, Ollie Harris who was the the chief marketing officer for the company that originated uh, the racing the championship horse racing, he said at the, the London launch event that took place in march 2020 we ne- we said we want to engage fans like they've never really been engaged before it's our opinion we can make the competition really exclusive uh, we're going to try to engage millions of fans not just hundreds of thousands it's our aim to bring racing back to the top sporting table in media terms and sit it alongside cricket rugby and football where it used to be well has it succeeded on that journey so far, you have to say no. In year one, judged on race course attendances, uh, only 12,102 people attended the Racing League six fixtures in year one. Last year, across six meetings, only 7,935 people came to the Tone starts. So less than 8,000 people attended a total of six meetings. Um, I'll, I'll make a few points. The Lingfields uh, night was watched by 1,362 people. More came to the all-weather meeting the following uh, Monday. Um, Newcastle's final meeting, the, 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 the finale of the, the whole campaign, was only seen by 840 people. I mean, they are desperately small attendances. Um, the ITV viewing figures were well down on what they would get for a normal Saturday afternoon. You'd expect that for an evening meeting, but they weren't great. Um and I think, therefore, going into year three, they have to try and do better. Um, great prize at these races. Um, so if you're a, if you're a participant, or you're a connection, you're winning the races, you're delighted. But those Racing League fixtures, they do impact on other races that pre-exist in the programme. There are class two, class three races that we've seen already from the last the first two years are having very small fields because horses have been funnelled into these racing league fixtures which some connections don't want to bother with um the the it's a team competition and it's very hard to get people engaged in that sort of thing in a sport like horse racing i think the the problem with the racing league at the minute is very few people care about the the team competition and based on the first two years we've got a uh, a concept that was supposed to bring new people into the sport in huge numbers and yet ironically after two years it seems the only people that really care about it are the people within the industry who are financially benefiting from it that wasn't what it was set up for
1: well it'll be interesting to follow it throughout the season uh, to see how they get on um lee before you go do you have a tip for us today
2: I do, I do. I'm going to take you to Windsor this evening, um, listeners. And the 650, the Giles Irwin celebration, EBF for these restricted novice. Thanks. Not sure what Giles is celebrating, but congratulations uh, to Giles. And I am tipping horse number 13, Zareen. A Murphy for David Munizier has had two good runs so far as a two-year-old filly decent effort at Newbury last time that all good well for her future and at around five to one as I see the prices so far I'm tipping Zareen to win the 650 at Windsor
1: thank you Lee and thanks to all my guests today Tom Stanley will be with you tomorrow to bring you all the latest news and to continue the build-up to the King George thank you very much for listening that was episode 792